audit. It sounds like a scary word, but it doesn't have to be. Join us for today's podcast as we tackle the why and how of church financial audits, plus announce a brand new resource free to our podcast community. Informing, encouraging, and supporting your church. You're listening to the Excellence in Church Administration podcast from ECFA. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another Excellence in Church Administration podcast. This is your host, Michael Martin from ECFA. Well, today I want to invite you into a conversation on the seven essentials of preparing for a church audit. With the growing number of churches that are seeking ECFA certification for financial integrity, this is a question that we're asked about on almost a daily basis. Do we need an audit of our financials? And if so, how do we prepare for that? The Seven Essentials of Preparing for a Church Audit is a new ebook that we've just released at ECFA. It's a terrific resource, whether you're a church that's considering your first church audit, or maybe you're a veteran that's just looking to streamline and improve your processes. We're going to be offering that ebook free to our podcast community, and we'll talk more about that in just a moment. But first, I want to welcome Vana Lau, CPA and Executive Vice President here at ECFA, who has joined me here in studio for today's conversation on the essentials of preparing for a church audit. Well, Vana, I know this isn't a topic that you're passionate about at all, is it? Well, you know, I love this topic, and and already that means that some people have a perception of me, and I don't know what that is, but <laughs> I do enjoy it. Thanks for having me here. Absolutely. Well, thanks for being here. And I believe you're going to live up to that perception. So we are going to jump in uh, here with some tips and some insights on preparing for a church audit. But first, I thought maybe, Vana, we should back up and actually tackle head on some of those why questions that are related to this topic and audits, beginning with why should a church get a financial audit? You know, there are so many churches that we talk to regularly where maybe it's the administrator or maybe it's the executive pastor. There's someone on staff perhaps or on the board who believes that the church should have an audit, but maybe they need to get some buy-in from the rest of the leadership or the rest of the board on having an annual audit. So let's get warmed up here with question number one, and that is what would you say to that question, why should a church get a financial audit? Michael, that's a great place to start. And it's interesting, you know, I spent 20 years in public accounting working with churches and ministries. And I used to laugh that I was probably the world's worst salesperson (laughs) because someone would call and say, hey, our church needs an audit. And my first question was always, why? Yeah. Uh, Because I want to make sure that that both they're doing it for the right reason and that they're starting with the right service. And you know we can talk about that in a little bit. But there are a number of reasons why a church might do an audit. You know, sometimes there's a denominational requirement. They may be part of a denomination that, that says you'll do this annually or on some periodic basis. So that's one reason. I would say the, the reason that I saw predominantly in the church world was because of loan covenants. Sure. So a lot of churches may have debt, and uh, they need to look at the loan covenants closely, even before they enter into that debt, make sure they understand those. A really basic one would be the requirement to have an annual audit. Uh, I'm a big fan of internal controls. You know that. I can work <laughs> internal controls into just about any podcast or webinar we might do. And you did today, I so see, there you Exactly. Go. We'll talk <laughs> about it even more, but it's, it's an audit, and an audit is an internal control. One of the things that I try to stress to people is keep in mind it's not the internal control. 
It doesn't catch everything. It's not designed to do that. You can't have um, a lack of internal controls throughout the year and just hope the audit cleans everything <laughs> up. But it is an internal control. And that's a good reason to have an audit. Really a best practice. I think we've looked at 2019 and kind of deemed it the year of excellence in governance. And governance now is being taken more seriously than I think really any time in the past in the church and ministry world. And as board of directors and trustees and elders look at their churches and their responsibility to them, they see the audit as a best practice. You know, what can we glean from that? And what assurance can we have that there's another set of eyes? Uh, and then the last one that I would just point out, and there are certainly other reasons, but the last one I would hit on is your governing documents may say you need to have one. And that was probably the biggest reason that I asked why when mm. someone would call. And that's because if they said to me, well, we just realized that our bylaws say we're supposed to have an audit every year and we've never had one or we haven't had one for seven or eight years or something like that, <laughs> then I would tend to say, maybe look at your governing documents and make sure that they're current with where you are as a church or as an organization. But uh, if, if that's a requirement in there, you need to make sure that you comply with it. Absolutely. Revisiting a familiar thing we say on this podcast, which is dust off your bylaws. <laughs> so, But I want to maybe go back to that point on best practices. I think that's one that we're seeing a lot more as well as churches are kind of looking to the culture and the world around us and even givers in their congregation. Um, we're seeing, I think, more and more churches that are saying, hey, we want to just go above and beyond to make sure that there isn't any question about how we handle you know, our finances or financial integrity, which I think is great. Well, it is important, and it's a protection for the church. It's great to have an independent set of eyes. I mean, we've all done something where we wrote a letter, we knew what it was supposed to say, someone else looked at it and said, you know, that's not what that says, right? Mm. Uh, we've, we've calculated something and gotten a wrong answer and someone else came behind. So having that other set of eyes is great, but it's also a protection for the people involved. Yes. You know, we had, I worked with a church business administrator one time who was looking at accepting a position at a new church. And one of the requirements that she put in place before she accepted that position was that they would commit to have an annual audit because she said, I want that protection for myself. They hadn't done that on a frequent basis. They'd had audits before, but they hadn't been consistent in it. And she said, you're going to require some things of me that I think I need to have you know, some backup and to have an audit that will help protect me uh, is important. Wow. Good for her. That's great. Well, how about this next one? You've already touched on this a little bit, but we'll, we'll dig into it a little bit more. How about, um, sometimes we hear the pushback, you know, audits, those are just for the largest churches and ministries that are out there. So help us answer that question. Are, are audits only for larger churches? Definitely not. Uh, there are reasons why smaller churches would have an audit, and we've gone through several of those already. Uh, but I also say, you know, maybe not best to jump into the deep end mm. from the very start. And uh, it, it may be that you decide that you want to work towards an audit, but rather than just starting there, there are other engagements that a public accounting firm, a CPA, can perform for your church. So maybe start with something like a compilation, move to a review, move to an audit, you know, have a process by which you work through those things. And the other thing that I would say is if you have an engagement that's maybe not as intense 
as a full-blown audit. There are other services that church consultants or CPAs can provide related to looking at things like your internal controls, looking at your financial reporting, looking at your budgeting. And again, to use their expertise, you can do that in some ways that are cost effective. Mm. Because I'll be the first to admit, I, I mean, even with the experience I've got in public accounting, audits are expensive. Right. You know, I know we don't try and hide that here at ECFA. We recognize that there should be value that you receive for it, but it is expensive. And so if you can kind of work yourself up to that, that way you've got everything in line from even the you know, paperwork and administration end of it to kind of grow into an audit, but you can also start to budget your way into an audit as well. Perfect. Those are some great pointers. And I might just piggyback on that as well, because you mentioned ECFA. And just put in a plug here, though, for the churches that are interested in becoming ECFA certified, one of the common questions we get is, okay, at what size do we have to have the audit? And so that would that requirement would kick in after your church is at $3 million or more in total revenue. And then below that, at certain levels, we do accept both the review and the compilation bond that you mentioned. So any questions about that, you can send us uh, just a podcast at ECFA. CFA.org. We can get, we actually have a nice little summary table that lays all that out in detail. So, all right, how about this one? Maybe saving one of the tougher questions um, for last, but you kind of touched on this as well. Um, but one of the common, you know, pushbacks or questions, and I think well-intentioned that we get is, you know, aren't ministry dollars better spent directly on church programs versus all this audit stuff? Well, I love that one because it is a concern for people. But yet at the same time, if you don't have good infrastructure, everything crumbles. I mean, we recognize that in transportation and roads. We recognize that in building buildings. We need to recognize that in our ministries as well. Because if we've got weaknesses in our uh, accounting systems or in our financial reporting, it can re really lead to some problems that will significantly impact programs down the road. You know, if you look at it and realize that financial reporting isn't correct, then you've got a board that could be making decisions based on faulty numbers. And I've seen that before. Yeah. And you get too far into it and all of the sudden, then it's exposed. Well, now, <laughs> not only do we have to cut back in programs to, to shore things up, but there are times where, and we have seen ministries where it actually can impact it to the point of closing yes. you know, a church. And so if you want to really protect your church and protect the programs and the ministries that you do, you need to really be forward thinking about it, invest in that and the front end, because yeah, maybe this year or this month, it's a matter of, well, do we put it into program or do we put it into some what people think of as overhead costs? But you've got to look down the road and you want to protect your church and you want to build it up so that it can grow absolutely, and become what, what you desire it to be and what God intends it to be. Yeah, absolutely. That's my take on it as well as I, I don't see it as kind of an either or, but a both. And I really think if we do this right, um, having the audit in a lot of times, uh, having that audit in place can really be the fuel to future programs as givers, you know, continue to have that confidence like we talk about all the time at ECFA. So 
Um, well, that's been this has been such a great discussion so far on some of the whys. Next, we're going to jump into the essentials of preparing for a church audit. But first, we mentioned this at the top of the podcast. We're going to take a quick break now to hear how you, our podcast community, can get free access to our latest resource, The Seven Essentials of Preparing for a Church Audit. Hi, this is Nicole from the Church Relations team here at ECFA. I'm excited to share with you a brand new ebook from ECFA, The Seven Essentials of Preparing for a Church Audit. This simple ebook will help your church evaluate the need for an audit, plus provide a great overview of the whole audit process from start to finish. The Seven Essentials of Preparing for a Church Audit is a free download for ECFA certified churches on the member resources page at ecfa.church resources. It's also free for a limited time on ECFA's free resource community for all churches at churchexcel.org. If you need help downloading the ebook or have any other questions for us, just email podcast at ecfa.org. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll get right back to our conversation with Michael and Vanna on the essentials of preparing for a church audit. All right, Vanna, we're back. And now that we have answered the why questions related to a church audit, let's talk about the most essential aspects of how a church should prepare for an audit based on some of the highlights actually from the latest ebook that we've been talking about. So you want to jump in here with our first pointer? Absolutely. I I think you have to start with selecting the right auditor. That's a good place to start. (laughs) And there are some things that you should consider as you're going through that process. Uh, To me, first and foremost is their experience. Mm. You know, there are thousands of CPAs that would be available to you to do this, but you need someone who understands churches. Uh, We in the church world are unique. We've got unique things in our accounting. Uh, Even the structure that we have in place for governance is different. Reporting is different. So I strongly suggest that churches look Uh, for CPAs that understand churches and work with a lot of them. A couple of other things to consider, the timing of the the engagement. You need to be able to to plan that around your church's schedule as well as work it in with the CPA. And unfortunately, you probably are not going to be able to just get on their schedule two weeks from now. You know, (laughs) they're going to schedule months out in advance. And so don't be surprised, uh, you know, plan ahead, be prepared for that. But I also really encourage people to make sure that as they look at that timing, that they're looking at all of the factors related to that. When are some of the vacation times in your staff schedule? Um, what are some of the other major events that might happen at your church that would impact the timing of that? And then the last one, and probably the one that people think of first, is the cost. Mm. And certainly that's true. And again, being really transparent, it's interesting to me when you look at proposals for audits, they can vary widely. Uh, so it's not just a given. You know, oftentimes people will ask, how much does an audit cost? And that's almost impossible to answer that question because there are different factors that play into that. So you do need to to make that a factor, but I really encourage you not to make it the factor. And we used to use this analogy of kind of a three-legged stool. 
and we let you pick two of them, but you couldn't pick all three. <laughs> you know, you could pick who you wanted on the on the audit, and that might be the selection of the right people. And you could pick when you wanted it, but if you pick those two, you don't necessarily get to pick the cost because it might cost you more at that time. Sure. Or, or you can pick the cost and the the auditor, but you can't necessarily pick the timing. So those are three really just critical factors in looking at that. Good. All right. Well, that's certainly foundational. And I think the next step, once you have the auditor in place, is really to look at your team and say, okay, what are the roles that everyone needs to play within the organization? And of course, don't forget the board as part of that. So I like to think of this too, Vana, as like, it's kind of like a sports team, right? Where it's I like, like that. I'm a big sports fan. <laughs> big sports fan. So everybody has you know, the same goal in mind uh, here at the end of the process, but we all have different parts to play in order to make the audit process really as effective as it can be. So I mentioned the board. Let me start with the board. Um, and maybe even it's an audit committee uh, within a larger size organization. You might have some committees as well that are involved. But it's really their job as the fiduciaries of the organization to select, retain, and evaluate the church's auditors. They're also going to be, uh, as we're talking about probably later, receiving the auditor's report at the conclusion, reviewing that, and having some communication uh, is important with the auditors, apart from the staff during this process, to be briefed on really some issues that can come up during the audit that would be inappropriate uh, to discuss in front of staff. So I'd say that related to, you know, kind of the board's role. Also, we talk all the time. I know this is one of your favorite sermons um, with the the lead pastor, the senior pastor, tone at the top. That's your sermon. That's my sermon. <laughs> I don't even preach and that's my sermon. Right. So I would echo that and just saying in this case, I mean, tone at the top is so critical. So auditors um, really are going to want to have some availability to have that communication with the top leadership, not about all the details of the you know accounting processes and all of that, but really to understand the overall ministry environment, maybe even ask some questions related to, uh, you know, fraud prevention and that sort of thing, um, but really having that tone at the top being critical. Well, and it's really helpful to the auditors to understand, hey, what were some of the major challenges this year? Right. As well as, you know, senior pastor, where are you looking? Where are you headed? And if you want to have a relationship with the auditor that can be beneficial to you and valuable, not just produce an audit report, but really be a value, you know, ministry partner, mm. that understanding of where you're headed, where that senior pastor is thinking about will allow them to work with the church staff to be prepared for that because, you know, maybe you're going to end up in a capital campaign or maybe you're going to end up launching a new site. There are things that if you work together on the front end can be helpful. So that that role on your team is really important. So in the critical. Yeah, absolutely. And then moving on down the line, really, um, probably an executive pastor, business administrator type, you're going to want to have someone who is really the point person for the auditors and that helps supervise the rest of your church staff as they're, you know, preparing, they're responding to the auditor's requests for information. Um, that could also be done by, you know, again, someone on the church finance staff or maybe even a treasurer. And then maybe a catch-all there at the end. Um, and leave this open. There are some others that you might bring into the process as well, um, you know, like folks from IT or maybe HR, they could be called on um, really as needed to respond to relevant questions that the auditors might have. So really, it takes a team, it takes a village to make um, this audit process possible. So that would be one of the essentials. Vaughn, you want to take another one or two of these essentials for us? Absolutely. I think, you know, being prepared um, and the timeline of it, 
are a couple of things to really consider. From a timeline standpoint, I would say you need to understand from start to finish. So it starts with an engagement letter, kind of the contract between the church and the CPA firm. You can do that before fiscal year end, but you know, I've actually had people ask, you know, can we start the audit in November and their fiscal year end didn't end until December? And that's just a matter of knowing how the process works. So you can do the engagement letter, you'll get a list of items to prepare use that list faithfully. Did everyone catch that? <laughs> use that list faithfully. You can get that in advance. And there are th some things that you can start working on before the fiscal year end, but then the work really begins uh, after that period of time. When you're scheduled for the auditors to come out, uh, that's what they refer to as kind of their field work, and they'll look at everything that you've done. And I would just encourage you, this is where it kind of dovetails with the be prepared. Don't think that you can give them a couple of things and that'll tide them over and you can work on the rest of it. I promise you, <laughs> they can audit much faster than you can prepare the audit schedules. So you really do need to, to have that all ready when they arrive. And then just kind of the end, they'll draft the reports and, and then they'll have the final reports. But as far as that preparation, there are some things that you can do to really assist yourself. You know, keep good records. Some of those corporate type things like your articles or uh, constitution, bylaws, leases, organization chart, those types of things, Keep those in a place where you know where they're at, not just for the audit, but for really for the sake of the church. And then anything that you think might be needed during the audit process that comes up during the year, maybe it's invoices for you know, new assets that you purchased or something. Sometimes you might want to just keep a folder, you know, extra copy of those invoices that you think would be useful. But probably more than anything else, just stay on top of your reconciliations. You know, do bank recs faithfully every month. And some of us just said, well, of course. And others <laughs> said, every month. <laughs> but, you know, do those faithfully. You know, reconcile your donor system to your accounting system. You think that's going to be easy, and it, and it is if you keep it up. But if you get to the end of the year and you do it and realize, I don't remember what that weird thing was back in March. Mm. You know, your payroll, reconcile that at least quarterly. So look at those accounts that you've got on your balance sheet primarily and just keep those up to date. Keep them reconciled. That's really going to pay dividends as you prepare for the audit. Perfect. Well, and that all leads us to, okay, if you're like me, okay, what is the end in mind? What's going to result from this whole process and what do we do about it? Well, once the dust settles from that, you know, whole process, and this is very non-technical summary here, but your end product is going to be a report from the CPA on the church's annual financial statements and those statements themselves, including statement of financial position, statement of activities, statement of cash flows, plus any relevant notes that are used to assist the readers of the financial statements. Back to that report from the auditors, the CPAs there are going to express an opinion on whether the church's financials are fairly presented in accordance with generally accepted accounting principles. You might hear that GAP acronym uh, tossed out, generally accepted accounting principles, or perhaps another basis of accounting. And then really, Vana, it comes back to the importance of the board reviewing those audited financial statements, um, as well as the management comment letter, which I'd love for you to touch on that a little bit. Absolutely. And the one thing I would highlight in what you just said is keep in mind, the audit isn't designed to detect everything. 
You know, you have thousands of transactions that happen during the year, and they're going to look at a sample of those. So they're only going to accept responsibility to a certain level or a certain threshold. But the management comment letter that you referred to, I think, is the most valuable piece of the audit. Because that's where the recommendations come that they see. It's also where if there are significant concerns, they raise those. There are kind of three levels of comments that they would make. A material weakness is something I always described. If you don't fix this, you're probably going to have a big financial problem. <laughs> you know. And then a significant deficiency is you should probably fix this or you might have a problem. And then the other current year matters. Those are best practices. So... One and two, fix them, period. Get rid of those. Make sure they're taken care of. But really do pay attention to the other comments that they give you because they're designed to really help with efficiency and effectiveness and just the overall operations of the church. And a lot of times these comments are related to internal controls. Again, a great topic. Um, <laughs> you worked it in again. I did. See, that's my second sermon, I guess. Yeah. Uh, payroll compliance. You know, they look at that area because that's one that can be really costly to a church if they're not handling exempt versus non-exempt uh, employees correctly, if they're not handling the independent contractors versus employees, if they're not handling payroll taxes properly, you really can run into some issues there. So, you know, those are the types of things they'll talk even about bank accounts, you know, and, and the reconciliations and some of the weird things you can find in there. Uh, and then finally, I would just say they're going to oftentimes give recommendations on policies and procedures. And I think those can be really valuable as well. So have those things in order before they come. And you'll probably have fewer comments in your management comment letter. But don't be afraid of that letter. Really use it as a tool. Yeah, absolutely. So there you go. All the way from the why to the start to finish. I'm getting the sense that we have covered a lot of ground today. We have. <laughs> uh, giving people a lot to think about. So it's that time that we kind of close things up here. So Vana, thanks again for your insights today. Uh, and really everyone for taking time out of the busyness of your church life uh, to join us for the podcast. Don't forget to take advantage of the new ebook, The Seven Essentials of Preparing for a Church Audit. And if you have additional questions about preparing for a church audit or maybe even seeking ECFA certification, just drop us a note at podcast at ecfa.org. Or in the meantime, check out our website full of so many other great resources like the policies uh, and procedures that Vana mentioned at ecfa.church. Well, until next time, know that we are praying for you. Our team at ECFA is always here to support you. And we look forward to being with you again soon for another excellence in church administration podcast. Mm -hmm.